0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeart Radio.
1: We're several months away from Halloween Lisa, but why is it that people love ghost stories?
2: Oh, I people have always loved ghost stories. I I was amazed when I was doing my book Ghost to Haunted History. You can find ghost stories going back 2000 years. I mean, um there are uh scenes with ghosts in Gilgamesh and in Egyptian myths and so forth and One of my questions was, why are they so scary? You know, I mean, if you could be confronted with proof that we would survive after death, wouldn't that be like this great happy thing? But they are always scary. And um, I think we just love that being scared by that notion that there is something that we just can't understand after we die.
1: Do you think that ghost stories, Lisa, are proof of the existence of the other side?
2: Well, there's certainly something to that. I mean, they wouldn't continue to be so popular for so many centuries if uh, a lot of us didn't believe that, I think.
1: Les, tell us about the book, Ghost Stories, because that's a series of collected stories, right? Yes.
2: Well, what we, we tried to do
0: was put together a combination of well-known writers who wrote stories that people don't remember um, and really good stories by some, some authors that people probably never heard of and tried to weave it into a, a short chronological uh, uh, survey of the field from about uh, 1850 to about 1915, something like that, which was really the prime older era of ghost stories. They're back again now, but uh, this, was, this was when they really there was a great peak in popularity uh, over that time period because of the rise of the spiritualist movement as well.
1: How did these stories come to you?
0: Oh, lots of research um, and lots of reading. Um, We both love to read uh, these kinds of of books and collections, and we went through them and argued and and debated which ones were suitable, which ones were too anthologized already, uh, which ones really needed to be uh, exposed to the public. And I'm really proud of the selections. There's some gems in there. One of my favorites is the story that's the very first one in, in the collection, called "The Family Portrait," because it's a ghost story that Mary Shelley herself knew and recognized in the introduction to Frankenstein as being one of the inspirations for Frankenstein.
1: How about that? What's your favorite story, Lisa? Let's start with you in the book. Um, I have
2: a couple of favorites the one that i think is the scariest is actually one of the oldest it's a sir walter scott piece called the tapestry chamber and um i actually wrote down a little piece of it just to give like modern readers might not think something published almost 200 years ago could still be scary but here's a scene where a guy is staying in his friend's old countryside mansion out in the middle of nowhere And he's in the bed at night, and he has seen this horrible old woman going through his room. And he suddenly says, I started up in bed and sat upright, supporting myself on my palms as I gazed at this horrible specter. The hag made, as it seemed, a single and swift stride to the bed where I lay and squatted herself down upon it. Okay, I'm, like, ready to run screaming now. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) head for the hills on that one.
2: Exactly.
0: (laughs) How
1: about you, you, Les?
2: So I've cheated, George,
0: and selected two stories because they, they, they were not written by the same author. They were written um, almost 50 years apart. One is called Since I Died by Elizabeth Stuart Phelps, and the other is called The Shell of Sense by Olivia Howard Dunbar. And what gets me about those two stories is that they are genuine, sincere efforts to imagine the perspective of the ghost, what the person in the afterlife, is feeling, experiencing the shock and the horror of watching mortal life go on in front of these people, uh, and, and see their loved ones suffering, living their lives after their own death. And they're just really powerful stories.
1: Who generally writes the scariest ghost story? Let's start with you, Lisa. Um, a man or a woman?
2: Oh, I... I think it's pretty equal, and there might be a slightly different take, as Les was just noting, it seems like the women sometimes will put themselves almost more on the side of the ghost, Um, and those two stories he mentioned in particular, one of them actually deals with a woman watching her husband um, take up with another woman after she's dead, and I think that sometimes the women, especially in the 19th century, brought their own early feminist uh, perspective to it, but... All of the stories are pretty great, regardless of gender.
1: What do you say, Les?
0: I, I don't think that there's a significant gender difference. I mean, the one thing that we should note, of course, is that in the 19th century, writing was one of the few acceptable intellectual outlets for women. Uh, women were not being allowed to go into professions, um, but they could write. And it was a great breakthrough for a lot of women to actually get recognition, publish their stories. Many of them, of course, published them under either just initials or masculine-sounding names, because that made it more saleable. It was still not a great time to be a woman of intellect, but it was the opening. It was the blossoming of women writers.
1: Now, with the sensitivities that are out there about different kinds of ghosts and ghost, ghost stories, on one hand, we have some that are friendly ghosts, funny ghosts like Casper, and then we've got these really suspenseful horror stories where do you guys fit on this one?
0: I think it's really the a, a, a spectrum of human beings. And, and that's what we've tried to do in the book, is to show that spectrum. Mark Twain's story, for example, is very funny. It's called a ghost story, and it's quite funny. Um, and I, I think ghosts probably come in the same variety of, of humorous, dramatic, evil, nasty, nice, as humans do, uh, and the stories reflect those.
1: Are the stories true, or are they just great tales?
2: A couple of them actually had a bit of basis, in fact. For example, the um, the Signalman, which is our Charles Dickens selection, may have been based on some actual train crashes that were happening around the time, and Dickens was involved with one of them. So he certainly had plenty of reason to be scared by the idea of train crashes and possibly to imagine specters coming out of that.
0: And and certainly some of the stories are are drawn from personal experiences of the authors or folklore, Um, folklore meaning tales that had been told by people that the authors knew or heard them from. Um, And they're not all sort of... Creaky old castle kind of stories, either. I mean, for example, Arthur Macon's "The Bowman uh, is based on uh, genuine legends of of ghosts appearing in the middle of battles in World War One, uh, and it, it, it's really very striking story. But so they are. Some are based on real experiences. Some are based on stories of real experiences, uh, and certainly, I think the authors thought that, that this was a topic well worth exploring, that there might be ghosts out there.
1: Where would you uh, fit Edgar Allan Poe in terms of uh, a good horror writer?
2: Uh, Kind of the king, (laughs) with no pun intended on that name.
0: Uh, Yeah, I, I mean, Poe, he's kind of an outlier in the sense that in America he was just Sort of an exception. He appeared out of almost nowhere, and for many many years, nobody wrote anything like what he was doing in England. It was quite different, and of course, in England, he was very uh, he was embraced by the English reading public. Um, but very few of those stories are ghost stories. Um, we have one in the collection here called Lygia, which is really a haunting story about a man tortured by the ghost of his lost love. Uh, and it's very poetic hmm. and very poesque, but Poe was not a great purveyor of the ghost story. He, he, had, he had other horrors in mind. Uh, psychological thrillers is probably the modern description for the kind of material that I think Poe really did best. Telltale Heart, The Black Cat, those kinds of stories.
1: Do you find that most of these ghost stories in your book have a happy ending or not?
2: I think we got a mix. Um, I I was noting one of my favorite lines in the entire book is at the end of um, the Olivia Howard Dunbar book. At the end, the ghost sails off, and, and her final line is, Mine is the transcendent joy of the unseen spaces, which is pretty amazing. But a lot of them don't have quite that happy an ending.
0: I think the, the common theme to a lot of the stories is almost relief or, or satisfaction that either the ghost or the observers of the ghost have finally sort of come to grips with what's going on here. What was the problem? That in many of the stories, there is some awful incident that the ghosts and the humans are trying to resolve and understand. And the stories are cathartic in that respect. I mean, we, we do end up at the end of most of the stories with an understanding of sort of what happened and why there was so much emotion
1: shed here. Lisa, what's what's easier to write? A uh, ghost story that's fictional or non-fictional? The true real deal.
2: Um, boy, I have written both and I love doing both. Um, to me, the approach to them is not even that different. I mean, in one of my things about nonfiction is I love to entertain people, whether it's real or imagined. Um, so I kind of follow the same rules for both.
1: And how about you, Les? Well,
0: I, I mean, I've, I've only written a little tiny bit of fiction, and it's really hard. Um, I think of myself more as an appreciator of great fiction um, and and a, and a critic. Um, I think I'd rather read well constructed fiction than nonfiction because. Frankly, most nonfiction, you know, you don't sort of find out the whole story uh, because that's the way life is. It's messy. Uh, In fiction, a well-done story is going to round it out for you.
1: How did you, Les, as an expert on Sherlock Holmes, get involved in ghost stories?
0: Interesting, yes. I was waiting for that question. since Holmes himself famously said, no ghosts need apply. (laughs) Uh, But uh, uh, Conan Doyle was himself deeply involved in the spiritualism movement, um, this great scientific uh, religion that swept Europe and America in, from the, sort of the middle of the 19th century through the 1920s. Um, it was a fervent belief that there was an afterlife and that it ought to be possible to communicate with people in the afterlife through mediums. Uh, Conan Doyle devoutly believed in that. He, he, had, he had denounced his own Catholicism uh, and, and turned his back on the church and was looking for something spiritual and found this and became really the international spokesperson. And it's always been difficult for Sherlockians like me to reconcile how some, uh, you know, the greatest figure of rationality ever created, Sherlock Holmes, could be the product of Conan Doyle. Um, who himself probably was a bit gullible. Um, But uh, as Conan Doyle himself said, the puppet is not the master. Um, He was able to create the brilliant Sherlock Holmes and make him very different from his own personality, um, who sought something more spiritual.
1: Do you think that most people nowadays are um, believers of ghosts as opposed to back in the 1800s?
0: I think it's a lot harder to believe in ghosts now because huh. we feel like we know so much about science and reality, um, you know, and scientific instrumentation and all that sort of thing. I, so I think it's harder to say um, I, I'm willing to take that belief without real evidence. But I think there's still just as many unexplained phenomenon. And... Um, I, I think there's still a widespread belief in, in ghosts, very much so. You
1: ever see a ghost,
2: Les?
0: Not me.
1: How about you, Lisa?
2: No, I've I've done a number of paranormal investigations, and I have yet to, to get that thing I really want.
1: <laughs> do you ever look forward to the day that you do?
2: I would love that. I would be absolutely amazed. and I mean, it would be a life-changing experience, obviously.
1: You wouldn't be scared?
2: I don't. I don't know, you know, that's a really good question, and I truthfully don't know.
1: What do you uh, think, Les? Would you I, be scared?
2: I no, I don't think so. I, I would
0: think
1: it's it would be like just finding out
0: something about physics or chemistry or whatever. It would just be sort of one more thing. It would be like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, it would be wonderful, but I don't think it would be scary. It would just be sort of like discovering something else that I didn't know about and I do that every day.
1: And I should ask you less. I mean, do you believe in ghosts?
0: Well, believe I certainly believe in the possibility of ghosts. Yes. I believe that there is something we we just don't understand. What is the mind? What where does the person is it just electrical impulses in the brain? And where does all that go? I mean, this was a question that troubled Mary Shelley. 200 years ago when she wrote Frankenstein, what is life? What's the difference between a living being and a non-living being? And 200 years later, we still don't have the answer, George. We still don't know. And I have to think that energy has to go somewhere.
1: That's true. And it really never dissipates, does it?
0: That's what I think.
1: Lisa, the, uh, the demons of life and then these ghost stories, do you see a difference between, you know, demons, the demonic world, and then just general ghost stories?
2: Oh, there's a yeah, there's a pretty big and distinct difference in that. Um, even in folklore, there's uh, a, usually a pretty clear difference between a demon, although there are some beliefs where a ghost actually would become a demon. Um, there were some Norse legends and so forth of people who um, had led such bad lives that they actually came back as demons. Um, That wasn't universal, but that was always a real possibility, so there's definitely some crossover in those beliefs.
0: To to me, a ghost is the residue of a human, or or an animal, I suppose, But but the residue, sort of what's left over after mortal life. Maybe what came before mortal life, too. That's another possibility. But... Demons and those, that's really almost like, those are different species, yeah. I think. That's the way I feel about it.
1: And it seems that, uh, at least in the older days, there would seem to be more ghost stories revolving around Christmas than, like, Halloween. Mm. Why?
2: The Victorians loved to tell ghost stories on Christmas. Um, that was one of their chief things to do on that that night. Um,
1: Hit us with your best ghost story, Merry Christmas, right?
2: Oh, oh. Right. Uh, well, the <laughs> most famous ghost story of all time is A Christmas Carol. That's yeah.
1: true. A great the classic. Not necessarily scary, I don't think.
0: I don't know. I saw a television production of it once. It was sort of a modern version of it. And the, the Ghost of Christmas Past was a concentration camp. And The Ghost of the Future was a very bleak, sort of uh, um, fascist kind of world. And I don't know. I found Dickens pretty scary. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern. And go to coasttocoastam.com for more.